everybody. Welcome to the Bring a Trailer podcast. This is Randy Nonnenberg, co-founder of Bring a Trailer. I'm super excited about a couple of guests that we have today. Today we have Mark Brinker and Myron Vernis. Both of them are users on Bring a Trailer that you may recognize. Both have uh, been around Bring a Trailer for a super long time, and I'm excited to talk to them about their history with the site, but also excited to talk with them about something called A Quiet Greatness, a set of books that they have released regarding uh, and covering at uh, extensive detail uh, Japanese automobiles, Japan's most astonishing automobiles, they call it, uh, for the collector and the enthusiast. Obviously, that's something very near and dear to BAT and BAT users and uh, enthusiasts. So, Mark, Myron, super happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. You bet. I'm super excited to dive into the book and but also maybe some of the background to why this is a topic near and dear to your heart and the depth that you decided to go to. I'm looking at the book here in front of me. There's four volumes um, in the book, plus uh, a really detailed uh, appendix. And I just hauled it up a set of stairs to come up to my office and my whole staff was looking at me, you know, like I'm like I'm hauling a couple of barbells or something. I mean, this thing, this thing is serious. And when it shows up in the mail, you know it. Um, and I'd love to, yeah, just delve into your guys' psyche a little bit on the the level of depth you went to and the the research that must have gone into this must have been unbelievable. Tell me a little bit about the process. Well, it, it only took us six years. So, um, you know, it, it might be a little, little misleading there, but, uh, yeah, Mark and I, uh, got into Japanese cars, Mark, what would you say about 10 years ago or so? 10 years ago. Yeah. We're both kind of automotive omnivores and, uh, the Japanese market kind of hit us. Uh, Mark's written other books and, uh, he saw an opportunity there to, uh, help enlighten, uh, automotive community. So, um, he tried to talk me into it for two or three years. Finally, I retired and I had some time. I had no more excuses. So um, we originally planned on doing like a 300 page, just kind of coffee table book. A normal and, book. <laughs> a normal book. <laughs> and this is, uh, what does Jeff Lane call it? A, a, an out of control hobby. This is, uh, this is the worst case of mission creep, I think, ever. What we wanted to create, Randy, was a book that you could see from outer space. <laughs> you're pretty, you're pretty close. I only laugh because no joke that hauling it up the stairs. I don't think I'm going to do that again. I think this thing's just going to live in our conference room now and it's going to be a permanent fixture. So, yeah, so um, I laugh about the the weight and the heft and the size here, but some of the depth and the the subject matter. I mean, obviously it's a big topic, you know, Japanese cars, influence of Japanese cars, different things that have happened. Um, but overall, like what made you choose to follow the themes that you did versus probably there's something that you couldn't cover in this, right? I mean, yeah, it is scoped to some degree. Eventually you got to get it out the door. Was the goal more historical or was the the goal more why is here and now uh, the time to be talking about this? Or what what was the uh, sort of major motivation and and framing behind the message of the book, you'd say? So the, the timing of the here and now, I think, is what pushed Myron and I to, to dive into this. And when we started the project, we knew it was going to be a lot of work. But as Myron said, it turned into, you know, six years, which is not an insignificant part of human adult life. Um, 
but so that was the impetus. That was the push that the time was right. Um, but in terms of selecting cars, you know, all of us in the hobby, if we are collectors or enthusiasts, we decide what we like or what we want to collect or what we're going to buy. I mean, that's what your site, that's what Bring a Trailer is all about is what are people selling and what are people buying? What do they want to add to their collection? And then, of course, all your users that the genius of Bring a Trailer is that everybody gets to weigh in uh, on their likes and dislikes and, you know, comment on cars. So uh, the selection of cars was very much like that. Myron and I would discuss you know, what we liked and what we thought was important and influential designs. And, um, you know, we started off with a list and the list just kept growing and growing because we learned more about it. But there wasn't a criteria. You know, we didn't have a scoring system or anything like that. It was, you know, what what lights your fire, right? And so uh, most of the cars in the book, Myron and I agreed on. A few of them, one of us was really passionate. And so we included it. Um, so it, it just sort of grew organically. Uh, there's 14 manufacturers and the book represents a compendium of what Myron and Mark think are the coolest, most important, most outrageous um, Japanese cars, all of post-war, starting from immediately post-war until the day the book was printed basically. Yeah. So as Mark said, you know, car selection was kind of subjective or, or very subjective, but uh, what we wanted to do, even though the selection was subjective was to make sure that um, we, we shared all the information as to why we thought these were terrific cars to get other people excited about these cars. And most of them, people, especially in, in the U S market are cars that people aren't familiar with, or if they were familiar with them, like a Celica, would they know, you know, all the world rally championships and things like that, or uh, any manufacturer like the Mitsubishi, which has never had a great presence in this country, what, what uh, great cars they've, they've uh, produced and, and sold and competed with around the world. And as Myron said, why they're great. I think you get into a lot of the why they're great, which is really neat. And even back in the, I mean, I geeked out and went deep into the, you know, appendix book number five, and you, you list off the different championships that they've won. And oh man, there's so much, just so much cool stuff. But uh, before I go way down that uh, rabbit hole, the presentation that you guys do and the, the, the just the aesthetic of the book, I feel like is at a super high level um, and like having it out, it's like a display piece. It's one of those types of, it's not like a, you know, car magazine or a, or a disposable feel by any means. It's a, it's like an heirloom sort of feel and getting to that. A lot of it revolves around photography. So my, my first question when I was thumbing through it with our staff here at the BAT offices is how they get all these cutaways and how they get all these pictures and how they get, I don't know if it's like a rights thing, or you guys have awesome relationships with the manufacturers and got to go crawl around the archives or car magazines that did this stuff because some of it is period right like i don't think they were on your guys cameras or or whatever but uh the i don't know if you know the right people or like how, how that works out give give the audience a little bit of insight into how you how you aesthetically present all this because the photos are so important and you have i mean every other page i'm thumbing through it right now every other page has like a full page full bleed beautiful like here's a touring car honda s2000 
from Japan, you know, like, I don't know where you got that photo. Like how, how on earth did you get that? So, so go ahead, Mark. So as far as the aesthetic goes, Myron and I decided from the beginning that we wanted this book to be at the highest level possible because that is what we think of Japanese cars. And if we did, you know, a paperback book, low quality, poor paper, poor photographs, which is a lot of what this sector of the market has had in the past, then that just sort of brings the cars down. Nobody would do a Ferrari book or a Gullwing book or, you know, or a Maserati race car book that was mediocre. So we wanted it to be of the highest quality possible. And we hired the highest quality possible, which is Richard Barron, um, who ran the art department at Rota Track for decades and just a fantastic, incredibly talented guy. So we started with that. As far as the photographs go, um, that was more than two years of the, pro of the project was sourcing photographs. Um, and the answer is, you know, we started with a big Excel spreadsheet that was thousands of lines long. And just every day, Myron and I were on the phone. A lot of the photographs came from the manufacturers. We got permission from uh, Nissan after a year and a half to get some of their secret archives. And uh, Rich Plavitich, who is he Laguna Titch on Bring a Trailer? He's, yeah, he's very big on BAT. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, you know, he he's a former, uh, you know, Nissan executive engineer, and he was really important in, because in, Nissan makes up a quarter of the book. It's its own volume. Um, but manufacturers, collectors, private individuals, you know, I found a gentleman in Europe that had, you know, good photographer, not a professional, but high quality. He, you know, he went to Le Mans a bunch of years and had some photographs, just finding people and networking and, you know, but two years of that. Yeah. And it, and it was just not all professionals, too. We found enthusiasts I mean, we, from like Malaysia and Hong Kong. Um, we, we, we found photographers and Hong Kong enthusiasts who during the height of the riots were kind of risking their, their own safety by going out and getting shots for for cars that we didn't have good shots for. And uh, actually, we, we have some shots in there, too, some cars we couldn't find that uh, were bat listings. And we had to track back and uh, find the seller. I think there was a Mitsubishi for sure. Is that right? right? There's BAT alumni cars in, inside yeah, yeah. the pages? Yeah. Yes. But yeah, we, I'm going to pull that one out. I'm going to go to volume two, which is Mazda Mitsubishi Mitsuoka. I don't even know Mitsuoka. You guys are going to have to educate me. Oh, Randy, Randy, look, Randy you, you look at the Mitsuoka section and you're going to be lost for every other car in the world. <laughs> Here we go. I opened right to that page. It must check, be check out the Arachi. Okay, cool. Change your life. But my I, dream, I'm, my I'm, dream I'm car. So funny. I, I mean, and the moment I hear there's a BAT alumni cars, I'm going to go like find it. I'm going to go root it out, whether it's on the internet or now I'm doing it in paper pages. I love it. I love all this. So yeah. So we we had uh, we had photographer photography commissioned. We had uh, individuals that we've bought from magazines. We bought from photographers, and uh, like Mark said, really eventually all the all the manufacturers kind of opened their archives for us. And uh, they were really great to work with. Actually, we, we, and when we went back and, 
um, asked for their permission to use the specific uh, images that we wanted. Sometimes they came back and they said, where'd you find that? We didn't even know we had those images. So it was, uh, it was really kind of a neat experience. But as Mark said, well over two years of our time was dedicated to that. And we made sure that we had the rights to every photo um, in that volume five you talked about, every, every image, every one of those 2,200 images are attributed uh, in the index. So cool. Um, can, can we give some quick off the top of your head stats of what's going on? I'm sitting here with the books in front of me, um, and people listening won't have them in front of them. So what do you guys rattle off as like the resume of this book and this whole collection, like number of cars, number of pages, number, obviously you said six years of your life. I think that's probably the top line stat, but what are the, what are the, uh, kind of cool stats that, that, um, that you can share with folks? Well, right off the top, the easy stuff is 1,400 pages, 2,200 images, 35 pounds, um, <laughs> or 16 Great. kilograms, I guess, because we've sold a lot to, to Europe. Yeah, um, I'm sure. That, you know, th those, those are the big things. Yep. Um, so uh, just 12, sort of size and scale and volume. 12, but... 12 by 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 um, the format is super interesting to me, and one... That I, uh, I mean, we have coffee table books that that come through. Some that have been sort of fixtures within our office and at, at my home, and a lot of different people have libraries. You guys have probably seen some people transacting libraries actually on BAT of people who collect this stuff. And and um, what kind of interesting interest have you seen around it? You said you sold some, you sold a bunch into Europe. There's been interest there. Um, who else has um, been the the fastest to? to uh, jump on and, and be able to be a, either an advocate or a contributor or a, or a fan of what you guys are doing. Were there any surprises there? Well, we've had, we've had really, you know, it, it's kind of redeeming for us, the six years worth of effort that all the reviews that have come through so far have just been just kind of overwhelmingly positive. Um, some of the, all the major magazines uh, here in the States uh, as well as uh Classic and sports car in the UK. Uh, Octane is uh, is coming up. Um, yeah, you know, again, sports car the market. Sports car market. Yeah, cool. so it's 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 all been very positive, and uh, the penetration really worldwide has been great. We've uh, we've really done no marketing other than put up the website, and we've relied on uh, on uh, the uh, reviews to put the word out to other people, and it's been. Uh, it's been really great for us. We've sold about a third of the limited production so far without really doing anything. Fantastic. I'd say that without doing anything. We, you know, <laughs> we go around, we, 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 you were out of Pebble Beach. Beach. Well, I can tell people and people may have seen, right. I, um, I was lucky and got to drive the new Z, a cool Japanese car uh, down there and, and then met you down there, uh, Myron, and you guys had a display of vehicles and had the books out. Um, right, we had about books. what that was like and who who was walking by paging through or who was interested in the vehicles. Uh, you know, it, it was really a great experience. We didn't have that. We didn't actually have the books yet, except for the, the two tour sample copies that we had there. But uh, we were right on the walkway going out there. The Motor Trend and Infinity uh, were did uh, brought back on a smaller scale, the Japanese Automotive Invitational, and they allowed us to be part of their display. And uh, it was uh, it was really the, the great thing about Pebble Beach was you get a really diverse group of enthusiasts. You get older people, you get younger people. And where we were was in a free area. So people weren't paying admission to be in there. 
and uh, it was uh, it was it was interesting to 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 introduce it there as opposed to where we at JCCS the Japanese classic car show in Long Beach a few weeks later which was a group of very focused enthusiasts and uh, the response there was terrific also yeah tell me about what it was like at JCCS I didn't get to go to that this year we've had BAT presence there in the past and you guys have probably been to that uh, a number of times, but what, how was the book received? I mean, it's kind of right in their sweet spot, right? But are those a bunch of, uh, you know, book collecting um, type folks or do they more want to look at, uh, you know, BAT listings on their smartphone? Mark, it was Mark's, it was Mark's first experience. I'll let, I'll let him kind of expound on that. So I I would say both, Um, you know, we, we weren't inundated all day with, people fighting over books, you know, and, and buying them like perhaps a new Porsche book would be at a Porsche meet, but um, there was a lot of enthusiasm. Um, you know, people were shocked to, to see, you know, the, the mass of information. And, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about, we've talked about how beautiful the book is, but really our, our goal was to create a coffee table looking book that was encyclopedic in information. And so that that's why it's so big because we wanted it to be beautiful, but it also has a huge amount of information. Um, so the, the younger people who are not typical book buyers were still, you know, really enthralled when they saw all the data, like, you know, they went into the index and you can find every SCCA national champion in a Japanese car you can find all the results for all the cars covered in the World Rally Championship. And it, it's all, you know, neatly tabulated where you can, it's really easily accessible. And, you know, things like, um, you know, in the hobby, there's, um, you know, this sort of idea that the Hakusukas won 50 something races in a row, but you never see that, those races it's just kind of this thing and that was that was one of the things that Myron and I decided we wanted to do was not just sort of propagate rumors and information so you'll find that list of all of those 50 something races where they won consecutively and you can see the racetrack and the car number and the driver and so people at uh this show kind of lost their mind you know looking (laughs) at the information and we sold a lot of copies there. Um, we, we sold we sold a lot more than we anticipated going into it. Randy, going into this project, you know, no one has ever done a big, beautiful book in the English language about Japanese cars. Um, actually, when we, we were shopping it around, we self-published the book. Uh, we, we decided to self-publish the book after we shopped it to some of the, the higher-end book houses. And they all said, oh, it's fantastic. This is, you know, Ferrari, Lamborghini quality. But, you know we're not going to take a risk on the Japanese market. And even the people involved with JCCS uh, said, you know, we don't know how well you'll do there. And uh, as Mark said, the the reception was overwhelming and we sold a heck of a lot more books than we thought we would. It's an expensive book. We, we, you know, we, Mark and I priced it as competitively as we possibly could to try to get our investment back out of it without compensation for six years worth of our time, because we felt it's uh, something we needed to do for the community. Um, but it's still an expensive book. 
And uh, the, the result was we were very happy with, with our sales results there and the reception. And, um, you know, at Pebble Beach, one of the interesting comments we got from someone, an older guy who was just kind of introduced to this stuff, said, boy, you know, now that you guys have done this, aren't you worried that people are going to start copying you? And we said, yeah, that's kind of the plan. We want people to start copying us. You know, this is a market that has arrived. You know, they, this, these are great cars. They, they, they deserve the respect that other brands get, other marks get. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't think it's any secret that it's expensive. I think it's worth every penny, but can, yeah, can you share, you're selling these on your own website, you're self-published, you're kind of handling distribution, it would seem. And what's the price for the book on the, or the set of books, I should call it on the, on the website? Yeah. So, the, so, so the set of books is $350, which, you know, in, in actual dollars, as Myron said, you know, that's a lot of dollars for, you know, for, for a working person, it's a lot of dollars, but I can't think of another book that I've bought in the last even 20 years that had this kind of information, this kind of volume of pages, this kind of quality um, that was less than $350. I mean, it's yeah. for what you get, it's a real bargain. But you guys also, you guys keep calling it a book, right? But it, I, I wrestle with that because it's it's like, a, for me, it's like a set of books, right? I mean, if you divided that cost over a bunch, I mean, there's five books that are in here, right? And then you start to get to what they are on a per basis. But regardless right. of cost, it, and just conceptually, you guys you guys think of it as one book, these 1,400, I mean, there's no way you could bind these into a single, into a single item. You had to break it up, I think. Um, but... Um, do you, but conceptually in your guy's head, is it still one book to you? Yeah, yeah, it, it is, even though you're right. We, we couldn't do that. We had to do do the volumes just it's so that huge. it could be. I mean, it's enormous. Yeah, and, and each volume still weighs a lot. Right? You know, we wanted it to be as user-friendly as it could possibly be. But yeah. uh, Randy, just look at it as $10 a pound, cheaper than really yeah, good. Yeah, by weight, <laughs> by weight. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, no. No doubt. Well, I don't. I, yeah, we don't need to go too deep on the price stuff because that's one almost, almost beside the point. When well, once let me you tell have you, yeah. in front of you, it's just totally, totally uh, enthralling. I'm, I'm sitting here. You guys probably uh, can't see, but I'm I'm just turning through the pages now. I'm on the uh, Mitsubishi pages, and now I'm just going all the way down the rabbit hole. And you look down, and what page am I on? Oh, I'm on page five eighty six of this volume. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just like it keeps going sort of forever, and it's it's. Uh, we had some really, uh, I, I mean, I joke about the environment here in the office, but like we tore this thing. First of all, everybody was like, what showed up for you, Randy? What's in that box? And then we opened it and everybody like, like, you know, pounced on all of these and started going through all the pages and ooing and on. You flip the page and like, oh, now there's a rally car midair. Oh, now there's a, you know, pre-production drawing. Here's a model. I'm, oh yeah. Here's some cars I've never even seen before in my life. But um, anyhow, there's some just some really neat stuff inside it. But I think um, a little bit more for our listeners, they'd maybe love to know your guys' background because something brought you to this point where you wanted to do this with these Japanese cars. Um, uh, Myron, you hinted about Mark writing some other books. This is a, a long, maybe a long chain of of things you've been doing. Um, and and what brought you guys to this? Mark, would you share a little bit about? Um, maybe other other things you've been working on. You are also MBND cars on BAT and and uh, have placed plenty of bids and and uh, seen some other cars transact on BAT. But outside of BAT, your car world that brought you to this point, could you share with us? So um, I, I have collected lots of different things 
you know, over the last 30 years. Um, I, I don't really have a focus. I'm not a Porsche collector or a Ferrari collector. I collect things that excite me um, and things that uh, offer an opportunity to bring something out to the world, a little bit like this Japanese book. So I've shown cars at Pebble Beach and every single one of those cars has been sort of a missing, a missing car. I used to write a column for vintage race car journal called Hidden Treasures. I wrote that for 10 years and I kind of collect hidden treasures. Um, I, I showed a streamliner that hadn't been seen by the public in 60 years. Um, so I, I look for cars like that. Um, unusual stuff, it sounds like. Un, unusual stuff. So my collection, uh, the, the biggest number of cars I have are coach-built Italian cars from the 1950s. I've got, you know, lots of aluminum body, twin cam, open and closed cars. But weird little um, like small displacement Moretti type stuff or like big boy Maserati type stuff? Uh, I would say big boy Moretti like stuff, like 1,204 <laughs> cc. <laughs> Getting crazy with you breaking the 1,100 mark. That's right. Um, yeah, my, my, my only Moretti is 750 cc. Yeah, I thought that. those were the little ones. I didn't know they yeah. got, you know, wild in the later right. days and got over a liter. Right. Um, Oscar. Oscar 1600 GT Zagato. Oh, cool. Um, you know, kind of medium-sized stuff. Not, not Ferraris and Maseratis, although I had some Maseratis 20 years ago. Um, you know, I, I, had a, I had a time in my collecting life where I was vintage racing and I got into American Specials and co-wrote a book called Vintage American Road Racing Cars, 1950 to 1970. Um, and that sort of um, catapulted the next year um, Steve Earle to do his his uh, featured mark was American Specials. Um, and that book was nominated for the Dean Bachelor Award. Similar approach to this book, but we were working with a publisher and um, it was, um, it didn't allow me and my co-author to do the same kind of thing that Myron and I did with this work. Publishers, you know, have uh, accountants and all kinds of things um, that sort of can hamstring the greatness of a project. Myron and I have wives and, uh, and, and that's, uh, they set the yellow lines for us, uh, but they're a little doesn't easy. mean we doesn't mean you don't cross them on a regular basis. <laughs> That's right. Um, so um, so my my automotive career has involved vintage racing, showing cars, um, racing at Bonneville, and then a lot of automotive writing. Uh, I write for Octane and Sports Car Market. I just finished uh, another book on the Austrian sports car Denzel. Wow. Um, I, writing is kind of a second, second career for me. I also do some screenwriting. Fantastic. Mark, thanks for giving us the background. And then you actually mentioned to me, uh, just before we started up a vehicle that you transacted on BAT, which was actually Japanese. Is that right? You had a, a Toyota sports or what did, what did you have that you said went through BAT? Yeah. So at one time I owned three Toyota sports 800s and I, and I sold 
one on bring a trailer that was a nice car restoration project and got you know just an insane world record price it was another case of bat magic fantastic i'm gonna look that one up right now while we're talking i always love to hear those stories and people just like the the connection point to BAT. We appreciate you being a supporter and believer in BAT since the I, early days. I think that car went to Poland. Oh, is that right? I think so. Wow. Now, Any idea? My, how, was this years and years ago or how, how long ago was this? Uh, maybe three years ago, four years ago. My, Myron, do you know the buyer yeah. of that car? Yeah, yeah. No, I know the car. The car's in Russia. And uh, it's it just go about Poland? done. It didn't go no, to Poland? Well, it went to Russia? It, it ended up in Russia. It's just about okay. done. All right. Myron knows more about my car than I do, which is <laughs> which is not surprising, actually. Not not surprising. <laughs> no. Well, that's a good segue. Uh, Myron, you're you're known um, as one of the brave commenters that comments under your proper name on VAT. Yeah. That's a that's a rare and esteemed group. Um, and uh, so people know you that way. But uh, maybe there's some on, listening right now that that don't know uh, much of you or what you're up to is is um mark has done a bunch of books that's super interesting i didn't realize there was a american uh you know specials book that sounds super interesting have you also been in the uh publishing and book world myron on other topics or is this a first foray yeah this is a first i i'm i'm here just because of mark right it's, it's uh as, as mark stated uh earlier at uh he i was i was kind of his chosen victim for this book but uh you know, it was equal insanity. And uh, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I did it. Don't know if I'll be doing another one. unlike Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's not, it's not a passion for me, although I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we made it happen. And uh, very proud of this work. And uh, if, if it's the only book I do, you know, I think I, I th it's good to finish on top sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. But, and and yeah, then but my history with yeah. My history with Bat's been, you know, I've been on board for close to 15 years. Actually, you and I met, oh, at Baja Cantina in 2008 during uh, Pebble Beach Week. That sounds and, fantastic. Uh, I can taste the margaritas as you say. Oh, that. man, <laughs> such, a, such a good place to do that. It was uh, our, our mutual friend, uh, Jeff Archer, had put together a, a group of guys who didn't know each other and and by dumb luck, a few weeks earlier, I had had a car. You'd picked one of my cars that I had on Craigslist or something, maybe eBay at the time, a Simca 1204 rally car. And I think it got a grand total, like three comments or something, which was pretty good. <laughs> that was to... actually pretty, that, that was a banner <laughs> yeah. day for me back in the early <laughs> yeah, days. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at your uh, account. Yeah. Joined March of 08, you know, early, yeah. early, early days. Um, not many members back at that. Yeah, no, I remember we were sitting across the table from each other, and you were surprised that I knew what Bring a Trailer was. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still surprised from time to time when people people come out of the woodwork, but it's a it's a little more ubiquitous these days. Those were the real skunk works early days back then. Yeah, but so. made a lot of good relationships um, through through the site, and uh, I tell you, it's it's a great community, and uh, you know, kudos to you and your team for being able to grow it to, to, to what it's become and still maintain that level of community and uh, just high quality people in, involved with it. So, you know, kudos to you for maintaining levels of moderation, which is a big topic today on the internet. Oh and, man, uh, it's tricky. You guys, you guys know how to do it. Yep. It's amazing. Um, it's come a long way. Let's, let's put it that way. There's a lot of work that goes into it. We're kind of doing it the hard way and we always have, but the kind of like you guys in the book, you do it the hard way and you can be proud of the end product, right? So right. we're 
we're kind of aligned in that sort of way. Uh, Mark, I'm looking, I found that I found that your Toyota on the site, uh, you said that Rafi helped you uh, list it and sell it, which is awesome. We always love hearing that. Um, and yeah, it's fun to dig around back here in some of the, some of the other sports 800s that we're going through, but that's interesting to me because you list off uh, a lot of Italian sort of specials. And then you talked about vintage racing and stuff. You didn't talk about owning too many Japanese cars, but um, that sports 800 is even a model. A lot of people don't even know exists, you know, but you, you had three of them and then you I had three of them in Russia. Of, and I mean, all these stories are always so great. Two of them were left-hand drive. I, I still have a left, I have a left-hand drive car that's beautifully restored. Um, a, a local, uh, guy who helps me in Houston, Andy soon, uh, restored the car. And then I have a right-hand drive car that will soon be seen on the Bonneville salt flats racing. Wow. Fantastic. I hope it gets gonna, some sort of benefit from the class it's in and it's not going to be, you know, against a rocket car or anything like no, that. No, so I race I race in uh, a 750cc sports car class. It's called Grand Grand Sports Touring. Um and the J class is for 750ccs and I have the uh naturally aspirated and supercharged record that I did in a Deutsche Benet HBR5 a French car. And I'm going where'd that after Dutch my, man, where'd that guys, come from? You guys are made for each other. You and guys I'm are going, absolutely no, made for each other. I'm going after my own record, but Myron's going to tell you uh, that he's the real hero of the story. Go, Myron. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of really how we met was I get a call from this guy from Texas saying, blah, 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 blah. You know, I heard you have a couple Deutsche Benets. I had a couple. We had a mutual, through a mutual friend. And he said, would you be interested in selling? I said, nah, I'm not really that interested in then he told me what his plans were and uh, to take it to Bonneville, but it is a Bonneville car like that. And at that point I had to sell him one of the cars. Um, <laughs> why did you, why did you believe me? Cause this yeah, needed I, to happen. This, this, yeah, this yeah, right? saga <laughs> needed to happen. <laughs> but that was, that was kind of the, the beginning of this thing. And uh, as a result, we've now kind of, I still have a Deutsche Bonnet. Uh, Mark has two, like he said, I have a sports 800. Mark has two. Like That's what said. I mean. You guys are like parallel <laughs> lives. Well, you know, and the interesting thing about the book, I mean, the book, as you can see, was, was a major undertaking financially. You know, it's not something that you just kind of call Amazon. You're not, and doing this to make, you're not doing this to make money. That's not <laughs> right. what you're trying to do. We're trying but, to get uh, our money back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, at least. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, printing the book was not the most expensive part of the book. The, what ended up being the most expensive part of the book was Mark and I discovering cars that we didn't know existed. And then all of a sudden, oh, crap, you know, we need these cars. And I, I think at last count between the two of us, uh, we probably acquired 18 cars as a result of research that we had done on the book. Yeah, you you asked earlier, Randy, and I'm I'm thinking my wife probably won't be listening to this uh to this podcast i have a dozen japanese cars <laughs> you're safe this is your safe space mark say whatever you want to say okay okay it's 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 not safe for me but uh randy you know kim you know she she's on top much she, much maybe listening to this we'll see oh, she will happens. be she'll definitely be listening to this but you know I, i've got i think 12 13 uh japanese cars myself yeah fantastic well this is awesome so anyway i, I gotta give the live play-by-play -play here so i pull out the nissan book or the the nissan and dotson and prince which i think is a cool grouping uh turn to page man is that for real 
Oh, they're numerical through the different volumes. So I'm on page 700 pretty quick because it goes right. numerically through all the volumes. And that's now why we I call it. it one book. I get that's you. Right. I get and, you. And, and Randy, the contents for all four volumes is in every volume. So if you're, if you're in one you. volume and you need to go to another volume, the contents are there. Oh, that's cool. So it doesn't, yes, yeah, so you can reference photographs and that sort of stuff easier if you say it's on page 700, then you say it's on all of them have a page 100. I understand. Okay, cool. So, but then I flip the page to 702, 703. It's a full like panorama of, and I'll read the caption, the start of the Fuji International Golden Race, <laughs> race B, 100 miles on September 6, 1970. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six or more skylines, a Toyota stout pickup truck support vehicle a modified looking couple dots and roadsters there's oh man just crazy looking stuff there's people in the stands uh it's just right, so that's so that's an unreal. example of of a photograph that that uh we we sourced from nissan and you know we had we had the regular media nissan site that you know everyone can go to and see photographs and use but we got this sort of backdoor link from Rich Plavitich. And as Myron said, I think there's a huge number of photographs that no one at Nissan even remembers that they have. I mean, a lot of these photographs have never been seen anywhere. So what, what is that back door though? You, so they gave you like a link and you can sneak into a website or you're like crawling around in a, bu a dusty building somewhere? No, 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 like, it's a link. And okay. we had permission. It wasn't like we were doing something we weren't supposed to. Okay. But, but, Rich gave us a link that was similar to the regular link, but it had a few extra slashes and letters. And all of a sudden you fell into this, <laughs> you know, treasure trove of hundreds of really cool old racing photos. Man. man. Yeah, and, and a lot of those conceptual drawings that you see, it's spectacular conceptual drawings that have not been out in the public at all. So it's, uh, we were very fortunate that way. And all the manufacturers were very, very accommodating. So right. We also we also found some photographers that had great professional, um, you know, rally images early on. Myron and I, you know, had lots of discussions about what to include in the book and what not. And, you know, are, are rally images really what this book is about or not? And we decided, mm -hmm. you know, the, the reason that some of these cars are so iconic and so important are what they did racing. And even though the race cars were different than the street cars, you know, a lot of times that's the reason the street cars did so well. So we were fortunate to find really exciting. You you mentioned, you know, some of the rally pictures that you looked at when you opened the book and they're, it, they're incredible. I mean, some of them, you look at them and you don't understand how the car landed right side up. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really, it's it's really wild. And on many of the models, it's interesting to think about, right? We, because when I was getting BAT off the ground, a lot of people, because I was maybe younger, and the kind of stuff I was featuring, featuring a lot of five tens, a lot of weird Mitsubishi's, a lot of vintage Toyota product and Hondas and stuff. People would come and say, you know, oh, this is the emerging Japanese segment. These are coming into their own. There was all these language that sort of the establishment for lack of a better term started to pay attention to Japanese cars. And I got asked about it all the time because I was really into it and thought it was as viable as Italian or German or, or anything else. And that, that surprised um, uh, people, but I think it's what made BAT resonate with a lot of people. Cause I think a lot of you guys and, and others 
saw that as as both the writing on the wall of the future, but also just kind of the stuff they'd been into, like buddies that were into 240Zs since we were kids type stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, seeing that in these pages, I think it's interesting to look at some of these motorsport images, which you may have never seen the light of day. Like, I don't know where you found some of these some of these uh, photos like you're talking about. Uh, you certainly don't see them very often, but like the 240RS Nissan, you know, uh, rally car group a or WRC or wh whatever it was back in the day, that sort of stuff. I mean, they're, they're relatively unknown. You see them in the British car magazines every once in a while. And those guys knew them because the rallies were on their turf and not ours, but Americans in particular don't really know about this sort of stuff. So I think it would be so educational for people to read through it and understand that even before this more recent coming of age or coming into the mainstream collectible, these cars were achieving crazy things, right? And and uh, I feel like a lot of people don't really know that story. So the, the degree to which this book can help tell that, I think it's I think it's in a cool spot. Now I, I flip the pages. I'm at the Pulsar GTIR, you know, ripping through some places, and then I'm I'm uh, I'm all over the place. Anyway, I I love. I love the the whole narrative of it and how you how you broke it down by manufacturer. You decided to kind of emphasize the manufacturer instead of just like marching through a timeline of history. Tell me why you did that. It, well, you know, we discussed the format obviously was a topic discussion through, through the whole period. And it just I think the way we ended up just made more sense for us. And we relied on Richard Barron, the, the designer, a lot. I mean, he like like uh, Mark said, you know, 30 years as the art director at Road and Track, really during their prime. And uh, not only very talented, but a very logical thinker, thinker with a lot of experience. So, um, you know, people think in things as opposed to numbers. And like, like you'd mentioned, you know, we don't want, we don't want one through 500 or one in one volume, one through 400 in the next volume. We just try to do things as logically as possible to make the book, because, you know, 1400 pages is a lot. But so we need we need we did everything we could to make it as user friendly as possible. Yeah. The, the the other thing, Randy, is imagine a book. Let's say it was done as a timeline. You'd be talking about a you know some some Nissans in you know nineteen seventy six or whatever, and then you and then you go to Mitsubishi, and then three years later you'd be talking about another Nissan that had an evolution of the earlier motor, and it, you know it would just be totally confusing to the reader to jump around between 14 manufacturers because they all built lots of cars every year. This way, it's sort of, a, you know, a, a pacing through each manufacturer and it's easy. We, we did it by manufacturer, but chronologically. So it's easy to see like the evolution of, you know, the, the, the fair lady roadsters right? The 1500, 1600 and, and two liter. If that was scattered around the book by year, it, it would just be very difficult to follow the whole story. Yeah. Organization is pretty key when you have this many photos and this many models and this many uh, pages to wade through. I, I think it's, I think it flows really nicely going through, you know, once you get into a model, you can kind of go deep right around it, or you can bounce around that manufacturer and the way you labeled them on the outside on the spine so you can jump to the manufacturer it's almost like reference type of a reference uh model where you can jump to it pretty quickly um anyway it seems uh it seems well thought out so anyway i wanted to compliment you on that um thank you 
are there any um mo- what's the what's the model you're most excited about how its presentation came out what are the sort of highlights for you guys personally each of you in terms of i'm really glad we got that shot or i'm really glad we got that car included so so i mean i have lots of lots of favorite cars in the book the the hino samurai is a one off we don't have a lot of one offs in the book um but you know, that's just a spectacular uh, Peter Brock design car. It it never really did anything, you know, famous on the racetrack, but it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, through the through the process of writing the book, I discovered the Pulsar GTIR, and I now own two of those cars, both Nismo editions and you know, it, it looks a little bit like a grocery getter. It's a hot hatch, um, but it is beyond spectacular to drive. I mean, it's uh, all-wheel drive, fairly lightweight, uh, 240 horsepower in factory tune, uh, just with, um, you know, fuel, fuel and boost, you can get 400 horsepower. And if you crack the engine open, you can get 600 horsepower. Um, it, it's like, you know, when you drive it, it's like the Millennium Falcon. You just like <laughs> hit the gas and it's, it's shocking. Um, and I've had lots of, you know, non-Japanese collector people that are known in the hobby. David Gooding comes to mind, just as an example. He was, he was visiting me, you know, one day and I said, you know, I want, I want you to take a ride in something. And he said, okay, well you, you point. And I pointed to the Pulsar and he was like, really? And we went for a ride together and he was like laughing like a little kid driving the car because <laughs> it's, it. it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible driving car. And, you know, one of the interesting things about Japanese cars that's different from my Italian cars is that every time you turn the key, they start. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a big reason to have the cars. You know, right, for, for, for me, ahead, some of the some of the presentations that really kind of stand out um, were photographs that you know were done pretty pretty recently. Like uh, even some, like, say, a uh, simple car like the AutoZam AZ1, the photography that Evan Klein did uh, of uh, that's actually Mark's AZ1 that was photographed in Monterey for us. The okay, it's re- relatively pedestrian car as far as Okay, it's a 3,000 made, uh, going doors, but the photography just makes it super, super special. Um, the Dome, uh, done by Ted Seven, was actually shot at the Peterson Museum. Beautiful. I mean, just striking, striking photography. Crazy car, striking photography. Uh, the, uh, the Sylvia, the CSP 311 photography. Um, and, and Kevin McCauley's work on, uh, I've got a personal weakness for the Autech Zagato, which most people don't. Yes, you but, do. Uh, you do have yeah, a weakness yeah. for that. Yeah, Kevin Kevin even made that car look great. So <laughs> fancy lens work or what do you have to do? <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm flipping to as fast as I can, I'm flipping to the pages where these cars are that you're talking about. Uh, I found the Samurai, which is unbelievable on the cover of Road and Track, November 67. You guys include that cover. That's pretty neat. Uh, and then it's not the dome, it's the dome, correct? Is dome. that what you said? Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that's that's in the in the Peterson's uh, you know, white background. 
uh, Stark studio that they shoot in, but the, it's got going crazy or pivoting doors. And wow, what a what a wild machine and beautiful photography showing that. Um, but man, I could I could I love hearing from the authors their favorites because there's so many, and I know there's a story to putting the uh, putting the format together with which ones are really the the uh, highlights. Uh, but all of them are really neat. I mean, you flip through further, and then you know Honda CRX content that seems somewhat pedestrian is showcased in as many beautiful glossy photos and and perfect engine bays who has an engine bay that looks like that on a crx i don't really know anybody but uh anyway just just really you know and we didn't charge we we didn't select these cars by value by market value or, or appreciation or anything like that you know again one of the things that kind of drove me to Japanese cars. I was really heavy into Porsche 356s for years. They could be bought cheaply. I've, I've had over a hundred of them, but uh, the people- A hundred? You've had a hundred of those I've at had, any given yeah. time? Yeah, Man, that's crazy. Did you but, write you know, down all the VINs or something? How do you know you, you got a hundred? I, I stopped at a hundred. I stopped counting at a hundred, yes. Well, you stopped <laughs> counting. I thought you, re- you achieved bliss at number 100. No. You finally got it right. And then you <laughs> no. said, I'm done, I'm good. No, it was just the, 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 achieving insanity is when you start counting that stuff. So I'm like sorry, right now, you were you, saying something though. I derailed yeah, you. Yeah, so but one of the things that got away from me was that the people that I, my friends who were 356 hobbyists who, you know, they're grassroots cars. We were buying them when nobody else cared. All of a sudden the cars got expensive. And the only thing that they really cared about was how much the cars were worth. It really kind of soured behind the hobby. And that's kind of where I found the passion for the grassroots Japanese car hobby. It's really kind of what, what drew me in. Actually, you know, the first JDM car I bought was really from one of my idols in the hobby, Howard's dad, Martin Swig. It was, which is uh, awesome. Tell the story of that car. I actually, I, I thought there's actually been two that you bought from him. Oh, but yeah. Which, but yeah, but the, yeah, I bought one. There's JDM, a rally car and there's JDM a car. weird convertible. Which one are you referring to? Yeah, the Honda 1300 Coupe. Oh, that's a third. I thought, I, I don't know how many we've gotten from Oh, him. yeah, the a rally third. car. I forgot about the rally. Yeah, I sell the rally car. Is that a car Mazda too. or something? What yeah, is that yeah, thing? Mazda 626 rally car <laughs> with with like 250 original miles on it. Something built for the Paris to Peking rally. There you go. I don't forget this stuff, Myron. I don't forget these cars. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the JD, but the first JDM was uh, was from uh, Martin. And Martin was, uh, you know, he's really, if, if there was like a role model in the hobby for for me, it was Martin. He had the wherewithal and the taste to drive and, and buy anything he wanted. He had super high-end stuff, but he had just as much appreciation for this Datsun 200SX convertible that I bought from, from you know, the family after Martin had passed on. But he's passionate about those things. And, you know, eight years later, I still have that car. Nine years later, I still have that car. So, um, yeah, the, he was kind of uh, kind of who I modeled my uh, my collecting, my my. Um, work in the hobby is after well it's always fun to to interact with folks that have had crazy wild stuff and kind of can have that if they want but they kind of choose to follow where their heart takes them you know and and this book you can kind of tell it kind of uh seeps out of the pages that 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 sort of passion is what led you guys to do it and what what uh like i say ends up with a product that you can be really proud of so you guys ought to be this is it's just super cool i'm psyched that i uh, brought it brought it out here on the table so I can uh, leaf through it again and again, but um, we appreciate it. I love it. I was very happy to pay full price for it. We're not doing this podcast because he gave me a free book. I wanted to support you guys. And, and at the moment I saw it at Pebble beach, I was like, that's a must have. 
Uh, is it a limited edition? It's only, I mean, are you guys going to print this thing as long as people will buy it? Or you made a run and it's over and now you just got to sell the pallets full of books or how does this model work? We made a run and it's over. It, it, it's not <laughs> a, there's no, there's no business aspect of this for Myron and I. Okay. Um, you know, again, we, we would, we would like to recoup our investment cool. um, as would our wives. But eventually um, there's not going to be any more of these, right? And there will gonna, not be any more. Be, and, you know, they're going to be listed on BAT for, you know, 5X, what you guys are trying to sell them for. What's going to happen? I, I don't know. I, I think that's what's going to happen. We, the book has been available for three months and we're selling more than a hundred books a month. Um, we've sold almost 350 books and we printed a thousand. Cool. Um, and so I think what's going to happen is what's happened to me before where there was a book available, I wanted it, I just didn't act. And then all of a sudden I see it on a secondary market for 3X or 4X or whatever. Um, but we're not gonna print anymore. Do you agree with that, partner Myron? No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Although I should ask Kim, Kim's really the partner in that. Deal. I was gonna say, yeah. let's finalize the business plan right here on the podcast. You guys <laughs> yeah. can just like sort it all out if you want, I love it. We, we really want the books in the hands of of collectors and and people who are going to love and enjoy it, um, but by this time next year, it, the books will be gone. Yeah. You know, Myron and I will each have a few copies, but the, the books will be gone by this okay. time next year. Yeah, right. And and as far as far as continuing, you know, Randy, I really meant what I said to the the, the gentleman at Pebble Beach. We really hope that this will spur other people to go on and do serious books about uh, Japanese cars, great Japanese cars. Yeah, I, I think it will. I mean, we've seen such an upswell of the Japanese category on BAT and people taking it seriously. Like it's no joke, like the kind of pro photography that's done for 240Zs now is like off the charts. I don't know if you guys saw, we have a collection of Z cars selling right now by a mm -hmm. by a guy who assembled, like curated this this set of cars and yeah he has enough dough he could have done that with porsches or whatever else but he chose to do it with uh z cars and it's it's top top shelf and the presentation is such you make a book out of that listing and that and that sale and i, I think um there's so much talent out there that's being fostered as well around photography yeah. and, and cool. research and that sort of stuff so i think there's probably more to come in this segment but you guys are kind of you know breaking through the barriers for everybody else to follow I, oh, someone had to do it. And, uh, you know, again, it's been more successful than we thought it would be at that point. And, uh, you know, Mark and I both showed cars at Amelia Island last year. That was a Japanese car class. And uh, between us separating us was Bobby Ray Hall in the 2000 GT that he just purchased on that. And he, was, he bought the red car on BAT. That's right. Mighty proud, mighty proud of that car. He was good. Good. I'm proud of that car, too. That was a very, very cool car. So um, anyhow, yeah, wrapping up here, I, we really appreciate you guys joining us. First of all, I appreciate you guys being part of BAT, you know, I mean, every, every time I learn more about BAT users and how sort of legitimate they are and their passions and their collections and what, what they've been doing, the fact that you guys are on our uh, website and part of our community is, is really positive for us and we appreciate it. I want to extend Andy, can, can we me mention the website where to get the book? I would absolutely do that. Yeah. Before we sign off, I'm not going to boot you out the door yet, Mark. No problem all at right. all. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to thank you guys for that for sure. And just tell, tell you how, how incredible I think the, the uh, final product came out and yeah, if people want to get it uh, what's the path for them to be able to do it. So it's www.quiet, 
quietgreatness.com. Fantastic. Quiet greatness. Um, and yeah, people can go there to the website and that's what I did. I went straight to the website and, and clicked on it and you guys had it, uh, delivered to my door. So thanks for doing that. Uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah. Anything else you guys want to share before we sign off? Just thank you no. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. And, uh, again, it's holiday season. It's time to splurge on your favorite <laughs> car enthusiasts, even if they're not a Japanese car enthusiast, that's a beautiful book that, uh, I think people would appreciate. Yeah. Perfect holiday item. So, okay. Thanks guys. Thanks so much. We'd love to have you back to talk about all your other crazy uh, projects and ideas going on with different cars in the collections. And we'll do that another time. So thanks for joining us on the BAT podcast. Thanks Randy. Thank you.